DJ and PK, it's time now to talk youth football with Frank Dolce. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah being a drought next summer, Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. So take advantage of their save now, pay later promotion, and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Frank, good morning. Good morning, DJ. What? What's happening? Utah is getting ready to play USC, and in any other time, we could break down the football and go crazy, and maybe we'll do that later in the segment, but I think uh, the way Kyle Whittingham opened his press conference, just acknowledging, you know, they're recovering from the ultimate tragedy, and it's twice in less than a year. It sits heavy on their hearts. It was so senseless. I mean, he went on. You can listen to it online, 1280thezone.com. But it just left me, and it's totally understandable. And I'm just curious about the energy and focus it took you to play college football back in the day and the teams you followed, because the energy in the building is just all wrong for a big-time college football game. And we totally get why, and there's nothing anyone can do about it. And we want to talk about football. And Kyle did later in his press conference talk about how when you get on the field, you zone in, and that's the only thing that matters. And I get that there's some truth to it, but I wonder in this case if that's even possible. So before we get to the physical aspect of the game, the mental and emotional, this is this is a, I don't un, unprecedented as far as I know. Maybe somebody's got something to compare it to, but it just everything he said was right, and yet the emotion in the building was wrong. It's just one of those things that it is the way it is. Yeah, I it. I don't know how you – I mean, I, I think the, the best thing that the team has going for them is that they're, you know, they're all together and they can, they can kind of manage this together, work through this together. Uh, so I think that's, I think that's positive. Um, but, you know, who, you, who knew that you'd get another, you know, some sort of <laughs> – life lesson in the middle of a, of a football season or life experience in the middle of a football season that you just weren't expecting and to be on, you know, the level of this tragedy. And, and like you said, two twice in, in less than a year and, and the circumstances surrounding it with, with those two guys, Aaron and Ty being, being close. So uh, I, I don't have a good answer about how you manage it other than everybody being together and kind of working through it together. And then maybe, maybe it just gives a little perspective to a football season. You know, we've been pretty, I've been pretty critical of Utah this year. Lots of people have been pretty critical of Utah this year. And, and maybe we forget that it's a bunch of kids running around playing football and I know there's lots of other things involved but at the end of the day it, it that's it is that and um and maybe maybe we should maybe it's a good thing for us to to look back on how we how we manage all of these situations with these with these guys playing and seeing where they can kind of get some joy out of it and joy out of their lives and maybe not so much on well, if you don't beat your rival or if you do beat your rival and what are the implications and who's going to win the championship, those are all fun things to talk about. But maybe not to the level of what 
um, or certainly not to the level of what the team is experiencing right now. And um, maybe gaining a little perspective for all of us out of this situation is not a bad thing. Football could potentially be a therapy. In 2003, USC had a player drowned right before camp started. Mm-hmm. And they went 12-1. and one. I mean, Yeah. So I don't know what the so answer I, is, but it potentially could be therapy. I don't disagree with that. It's... It, it, to have something to, if you're, if you don't have some activity um, to take your mind elsewhere for a short period of time, I think that is healing as well. Mm-hmm. To, to have some sort of distraction rather than dwelling on it, and I'm not saying that uh, you should. I mean, move past it. I, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying um, you should give it its certainly give it its time and you should um, think about it and be curious about it and how it affects your life and and then realize that you have all of these other aspects of your life and how do you become a better person as a result of it so I I think that's right to have that to have to have the team to have the group to have a season to have a game have a practice, something that you can focus on, focus your energies on in a positive manner, I think that's certainly helpful. So, to switch to the the football side of this, as you look at the uh, Pac-12, Kyle brought up the fact that Two weeks in, roughly, I mean, the Utes are one and USC's four, but for a lot of teams, they're two games in, and nine of the 12 teams already have a loss. There's only three teams still undefeated in conference play. I mean, everybody's got a loss overall, but in conference play, is there anybody you have any faith in, or is this just a complete wild scramble in the entire Pac-12? And while it will take everyone out of the playoff picture, it will be wildly entertaining to see who wins the conference. I don't know who leads the conference right now. I mean, I, I, I think you could make a, I think you could make a reasonable suggestion that it's, it's Oregon state based on the way they've played recently. So I, I think I might just put the Beavers right up near the top. Uh, and I, I still believe that Oregon is talent wise at the top. Uh, I don't think their quarterback play, uh, is I think their quarterback play is problematic, um, even though he's super talented. So that I think that will be a question. I think that was a question um, in their loss last weekend. And I, I even though Stanford was the team that took them down, I don't know that I put Stanford at the top. Stanford looks like a beatable football team to me. Um, but they, but they, it's also that team that can, you know, that can beat anybody on the schedule. So, uh, but and, and Stanford's had this thing with Oregon over the years, which I think is kind of kind of funny to, to look at. So, uh, and 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 so in the North Division and Washington, I think I, I just don't think Washington's. Maybe they'll fi- figure out a way to get on track. I don't think they're there yet. Um, Washington State is not great. Cal obviously not great, so I, I mean it's it's got to be it's got to be Oregon, 
Oregon State, Oregon, Stanford in the in the top on the north. And then in the south, um, I mean, it was kind of this – PK, you and I talked about it last week. It was kind of – I was like maybe Arizona State, UCLA, and you were like maybe UCLA and Arizona State. So I still think that's probably the case. Um, maybe now Arizona State gets the slight edge. But, I mean, UCLA could go on a run and win the rest of their games. Yes. And Arizona State's a beatable football team. Yes. So it's likely – that a two-loss team in conference comes out as champ. I mean, I, so so I don't know. I, I still think that's what it is. Arizona State, UCLA, um, Utah, USC, and then Colorado, Arizona. Yes, I think ASU has the slight lead this week, but when we convene next week, it could be it could be Utah. Actually, if that's Utah exactly goes right. to the Coliseum and wins, they'll be two and zero. And they've had the bye, so they've got one less game. Obviously, that'll flush out here. And the Devils play Stanford. And Stanford, uh, yeah, check about the middle of the second quarter to see if it's their week or not. <laughs> Who knows? Right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the, Devils, the Devils could be 3-0, and and then they would strengthen their position. So the point is, even though SC still has two losses, and already has two losses, I should say, they, I'm not ruling them out. Because it is so fluky this year. Oregon doesn't have a good quarterback. They don't. I've been saying this for weeks. DJ can back me up on this. I don't. I don't think he's good enough. I think this Thompson kid is a freshman, and I think they're going to go with him. And but they've got all this pressure to try to win now, so they're not ready. But I do think if they could, if they would step back and play him, they would be in a better position next year to get to the playoff. Because I think he's better over the term that they're going to be there. Uh, he's going to be there than this other kid, but you know he's not apparently not ready. So there's all this pressure to win now, and they didn't get yeah. it done. So I understand that. I can appreciate that and respect, especially at Oregon, because they're paying top dollar to everyone to be in the playoff. So that's their standard. The rest of the programs, with the exception of SC, don't have that level of standard. So you can get uh, with uh, David Shaw and put in the McKee kid and let them yeah. develop a little bit. And with that development, you're going to get some hot and cold. So as far as the Utes go, all, and it's, it's, I say all they got to do, and it's a monumental task, but if they pull it off, I view them as potentially in the driver's seat pretend, uh, uh, with the acknowledgement of what happens with Stanford and ASU Friday. Absolutely. I don't disagree with that at all. And I... I look across Utah's schedule in the South and the rest of their schedule, I guess. Um, and I, there are some matchups that, that bother me. Like Utah USC is always a good matchup for Utah. That, that seems to fit. And, uh, and I think it's a good fit this year for Utah. So I, I'm fairly confident. I mean, I think that this is a year that Utah could go into the Coliseum and figure out how to win that game against a USC team that's in, in disarray. So good. Let's. I like that. I like that fit. Um, UCLA Utah bothers me a little bit because uh, I, I I don't think UCLA is great, but they do some things offensively that Utah hasn't done well stopping this year, and that's especially with a with a quarterback that can get out of the pocket. Um, and so that that's a little bit of a concern. Arizona State, I don't think is a great matchup 
for for Utah. Same thing with the with that mobile sure. athletic quarterback. But they can lose that game and still win the thing, though. <laughs> like, because but they could, yeah. <laughs> so so that's the that's the crazy Stanford Utah. I think that's a good matchup. Like I think Utah is a, that's a very favorable matchup for Utah. And then you know Colorado Arizona those are I think those are very winnable games. So as I look across their schedule. Um, I could see Utah. I could see Utah winning the rest of their Pac-12 South games. Unlikely. I could see Utah going through and only losing one and coming out on top in the South. Uh, I think that's very reasonable. But I, but I think that's very reasonable for a few teams in the South. So we'll just. I don't know. I'm not willing to say this is the team. I'm going to put a stake in the ground with yeah, this right. team and say they're going to win it. So I think there's one theory out there that USC's been up and down here. They've neither won consecutive games or lost consecutive games. They've alternated wins and losses, and they're 3-2. and two. But then maybe it's just our preseason expectations. Maybe they aren't up and down. Stanford and Oregon State, top half of the league. Washington State, Colorado, bottom half of the league. So they beat Washington State and Colorado, and they lose to Stanford and Oregon State, is USC, considering they've already had a coaching change and they missed on one or two recruiting classes that are now kind of the middle, the heart of this roster, are they just a mediocre to maybe slightly above average team? Yeah, I think that's probably true. We, we always used to say, and I still say a little bit, that USC has you know the most talent around the, the Pac-12. And that for a long time that was true. A couple bad recruiting cycles. I think they still have significant amounts of talent. Maybe they, you know, they edge out all the other teams in terms of of talent. But it's not quite what it used to be. And uh, and it's a team that hasn't figured out how to how to win. And it's a team that I don't think. I mean, there's a lot of people high on Slovis, and I, I don't. I think there's lots of potential with Slovis. I don't think the quarterback play there has been terrific. And I'm gonna, you know. Obviously, it's the quarterback pulling the trigger, but I, I'm not. I have never been a big fan of of uh, the offensive system they're currently running. Doesn't seem like a fit. So, so yeah, I, I think that USC is a team that still has enough talent. If they figure out how to get everyone going down the the same, going in the same direction, then they're going to be very difficult to beat. But it's not such an array of talent that it's overwhelming to another to another team in the south and i think i think we've seen that so uh it's a it's a talented but beatable usc football team a couple things concern me from the utah perspective they have had some outstanding big-time receivers in recent years i mean i would need a program to list all the guys in the nfl if i start naming them i guarantee Uh i'd leave some out uh, this Drake London might be the best of them all. I mean, he is something to to behold and watch. So the Utes have got to get a handle on him, which means that they've got to get in Slovis's face. I mean, that goes hand in hand, obviously. And then I think on the other side that USC has been susceptible to passing. So their pass defense. Uh, and I'm wondering, you know, we put a lot of – hope right now on Cam Rising, but I also think we have to step back and think he's only basically played a game and a half. Uh, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. his whole entire college career is a game and a half. So we, maybe we need to back off a little about, uh, off that a little bit and let him grow. But if they can find a, a way to curtail 
the Drake man, and find success throwing the ball, I think they got a decent shot. I don't know if they can, though. I think the defense has taken enough of a step forward that uh, the ability to pressure the quarterback is, I, I think it's really reasonable to think that's going to occur in this game. And and Slovis, the, the other thing I like about it is Slovis doesn't necessarily present the problems of breaking out of the pocket and scrambling around or running downfield for 15 yards on a broken play. So, you, you know, Utah certainly can't lose – lose contain or lose discipline up front. But I think the ability to get pressure on the quarterback, I'm optimistic about that for Utah defensively. The other side is a little more tricky because it is very tempting to say, hey, we should be able to do this in the passing game against against USC. The, the, the issue is um, USC is still pretty talented on the, in the, on the defensive front. And Utah when they take a step back into pass protection, it just hasn't been very good. And so you're, you're now putting, you're, you're likely putting rising in a situation where he's going to be under pressure lots of time, lots of the time and, and forced to throw the ball downfield because you think that's, that's where you win the game is you can exploit a defensive secondary that's weak against the pass. I, I don't, I don't like that philosophy. And I'm not saying that's happening. I just, you know, making assumptions. I, I would say that Utah just needs to just kind of figure out what they've done best over the first few weeks or, or where they're trending and work with their strengths. And if, the, you know, their strengths are going to have to be good enough to beat USC on the defensive side. I like Utah running the football. I like Pledger and the way that he made a step forward. I think there's, a, you know, a couple other really talented, really talented backs. And then, you know, putting putting Rising in a situation where he has to drop back five or seven steps and sit out, sit around in the pocket for a minute and let things unfold in the secondary, I don't think that's advantageous based on what we've seen the first several weeks. So, uh, you know, maybe a more of a quick hitting passing game, get rid of the ball quickly, or get your quarterback on the move um, outside of the pocket because he is athletic. Uh, and maybe that's maybe that's something Utah can utilize, but but I don't think that that because USC has been weak against the past for Utah to to go into this game and say, well, we're going to throw the ball all over the field. I'm not sure that's reasonable. Maybe yeah. it is. Maybe we'll be proven, or I'll be proven completely wrong. Should be right. But 450 um, yards passing for Cam Rising. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, absolutely. I absolutely would love this to month. see that. Based on yeah, based on what we've seen coming into this game, it doesn't seem like that's a, a reasonable way to approach the game. If they get the run game going and he gets to throw off play action, I can see him making a bunch of big plays. If he has For to sure. throw the ball 50 times off seven still oh, drops. Geez, Kyle would drop dead a heart attack. Kyle will have a heart attack. <laughs> Cam Rising will separate his shoulder and USC will intercept 10 passes. That's not the way oh that you should be playing. But I that, do think if he's throwing. would be throwing, a difficult afternoon. But I think if he's throwing off play action, he might make big plays. I don't, I don't think you should rule that out. You know? Well, yeah, you know, and. I, I like that game plan, but you know the key to getting play action to work is yeah is having a, a ground game running so the game. I would love fumbling, running the ball yeah. and not fumbling the uh, the ball away and and keeping it off the turf. So yep. you know I think if Utah cleans up some of those small issues, uh, becomes a little more 
boxed out at the line of scrimmage in the pass game, gets the run game going. I I think they have a very, very good chance of going in and, and winning one in the Coliseum. Frank, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Hey, absolutely, of course. I appreciate visiting with you guys every week. And uh, PK, I just wanted to mention what a nice article uh, you wrote to honor a dear friend of all of ours. Um, man, this business is awful sometimes. <laughs> but that guy, uh, Gordon, is one of a kind, and we certainly wish him the best. He's a you know he's a he's a legacy in the in the broadcast industry. No, Absolutely. big time. There, there's there's only a twelve eighty the zone because he and Bowler put their heads together and decided to make phone calls. That's historical fact. Other people played a big role. PK brought up one of our bosses who wrote us a nice email. He had a big role, but if they don't pick up the phone, there's right. no twelve eighty the right. zone. You're right. It's, that's, it's that's, inarguable. <laughs> that's a that was a critical moment in time and decision those two yep. guys made. Yep. And we've all benefited from it. I've benefited from yep. it. PK has, Yach has, good for them. Yep. Thanks, guys. <laughs> and thank you, Frank. <laughs> yeah. That was a good shout at the end. Good call by you. Absolutely. You All got right. it. Well done, Thanks. Gordon. All, All right. right, guys. Thank you. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Never-ending story is more compelling than Short Circuit. No, no, stop it. no, stop. Never-ending story would win a poll against Short Circuit. Guarantee you. I can't even believe I'm putting this poll together. How do you spell circuit? <laughs> By the way, I almost hope... Do what you feel is right, I, I almost hope Never-ending story wins, because if Short Circuit wins, we're going to lose you for the rest of the show. <laughs> Show memorandum. Let's just euthanize short circuit. My guy is as upset as any time I've ever seen him in the history of the show. Why? Because we speak truth? No more short circuit. Take Johnny Five and put a crowbar to his head. He's done. Disassemble. Johnny Five. No disassemble! Catch Hans and Scotty every day. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK in the morning. Proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Dylan Collin, Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver. Coming up at 9 o'clock, we'll talk Cougars with him. We just had Frank Dolce on. I love Dylan Colley. <laughs> what, what, what tough questions do you want to put to him this week? He just tough questions mind, for Dylan man. Colley, so he'll speak his mind. He does. Hit us up. Grab your phone. Use the app. Use the open mic feature. Send it to Yach. We'll play it. And Frank's one of our guys. I mean, that's the thing. That's what hurts about Gordon is that we've got we're it's cliche to say family, but so many of us have been so tight for so long, and it extends. You know, it it's not just on our our air guys who do the daily stuff. It's guys like Dolce, guys like Lacombe. Mm-hmm. Lacombe puts on his band, and all of us go to it. Yeah. you know, we're all that's who we are. Yep. And Riley's been coming on for years. Riley is Riley, another example. Riley, Riley, Riley's the one guy who actually his link goes back to when he was a sales guy. No question. That's an yeah. unusual tie. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, sure. So it goes way, but deep, deep connections there. Austin Horton too. Deep connections. Yeah. And so that stings. <laughs> Those are just facts, man. I mean, everybody's been in that situation. Ours is just public. But we've all been in those right. situations uh, uh, where you, you, a colleague either 
leaves for another job or whatever it might be. Yep. It doesn't have to be necessarily a negative. Right. Uh, well, speaking of people who made a lot of money off that, The Office had a lot of those scenarios play out. What office? The sitcom. Ten okay, years. But that's that's fake, though. Right. This but they played on a lot of those themes that happen in real life. I know, and but that, it, that's it resonates. Fake. Yes, but it resonates with people because they see that. You're like Dan Quayle now screen. criticizing Murphy Brown. No, I'm not. It's not even remotely what it is. Remember that? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. What happened to Dan? <laughs> uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you in a break. Okay. <laughs> See, I'm not a big pol- politics guy, so I don't I don't know all that stuff. I just remember I just saw the- something come across the uh, the Twitter really? thing, January sixth. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because he's from Indiana, as the vice president was, who was in the middle of all that that you brought up earlier this morning. Ah. And and he called, and Dan Quayle said, "This is what the Constitution says you have to do. Do it." Ah. Yeah. So Dan is advising people who call him with constitutional questions. Wow. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yeah, so there you go. It's out there, and and then uh, you know we'll move on and and do the best that we can, and I think it'll work out. The games mm-hmm. will keep coming, and yeah. we will t- keep talking about the games. I'm certainly looking forward to going forward with uh, Bonneville and all those things that they have, and uh, the resources, and uh, I'm excited. I've already met with them, and you have too, and and I expect to. Uh, have this transition well because because everybody knows everybody a guy we're going to be reporting to there you go again is a guy who used to produce our morning show (laughs) that's crazy that's crazy man Nate, what are you planning yeah so many things uh (laughs) all the stuff we talked about when i was producing your show it's good so i'm excited for this change for sure uh but uh you know you got these other things too and so you deal with them. And they say everybody has stuff to deal with. I mean, the Utes are dealing with this tragedy, and Ugh. and it's a big-time tragedy. There's just no doubt about it. I don't have any answers. I don't know. I just remember that when I was in the Coliseum in 2003, before the game, there was a player on their team who went in the ocean late, kind of duskish, maybe even a little later, uh, down in Huntington Beach, and he drowned. Not good. Obviously. And so they brought the uh, family there before the game. And I was there because they were playing BYU. That's why I was there. And they're playing BYU. And they honor the young man and his family. And, of course, the the family's sobbing out on the field, right? Sure. I mean, obviously. We'd all be in that situation. An 18, 19-year-old kid loses his life, 20 or 21, whatever it might be. It's it's awful. It's just absolutely awful. Uh, Now, maybe that's not... A legitimate example with they went twelve and one that year, and you know they had all that talent, and maybe they had more talent than Utah has. But I wonder. I don't know. I'm just wondering. It was it something? It was a therapy type of deal in terms of putting your mind uh, away from these other stuff, other things, and focusing more on this. Can that help them? I don't know. In the end, I don't care. It's a football game, and the young man's still dead, and that'll never change. Uh, but can this help them? Can this galvanize them? And I'm not saying, well, let's use death as a motivation. That's not it at all. And I know no matter what you say, there's going to be people out there who are going to accuse me of being insens- insensitive. I could say that sunshine is a beautiful thing uh, on a cloudy day, and people are going to You don't understand me. the yeah. impact of the drought, do you? <laughs> yeah, so I get it. And then I got you. Know, when we first talked about it, it took some heat for whatever I said. I don't even know what I said, but there's just, no matter what I say, people are going to take it wrong. So So be it. I do what I do. 
but can it be a galvanizing effect for them and I mean, unifying could, in the moment? It certainly could be. It doesn't take away the pain by any stretch. Nothing does. The Trojans went 12-1 and one that year. Nothing does. Kyle, Kyle was addressing that yesterday, and he said time. Yeah. You know, time is the one thing. And he said in that regard, uh, the bye week was good. Oh, it was he great. Not, yeah. Not have a game have that week. last week and out of town. That's not even going to. It, but it, it still hangs heavy. You can just feel it walking through the building. You could just hear. I mean, we've heard Kyle in so many press conferences. You could just hear it in his voice. But at you know? the same time, it's he's also, not coaching football when he's talking that. That point also, it was, it, it felt, I thought he talked for 20 minutes and then I looked at the clock. It's like, wow, that was. That was intense. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was. And he, yeah. he said, well, when you get on a football field, it's different. Right. You're locked into what you have to do. Now, that USC team was wildly talented. This Utah team, like most college football teams, it's not that USC well, it's team. maturing. Right. That team was mature. But and- when, you, when you have a team that's flawed, which is, you know, you're not Alabama or Georgia, right? Everybody else. Uh you play with a lot of emotion, effort, and energy to try and make up for some of the talent and the physical presence that you lack. And how much of that can you really summon, given everything else that is going on? Maybe they will. Sometimes maybe we big. Will, maybe we will come in here the morning after the game and like, wow, they were well, playing. Be two a, mornings after, but you're right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you want to show up and do Sunday, <laughs> yuck, you're free. Yeah. I'll come. Uh, maybe we'll say, hey, they, that I can skip that, out on church. I'm all in. That team was flying on jet fuel, and uh, look at them go. I guess that's what you would fly on, right? Um, and <laughs> no, look at them go. And maybe we'll say that. I, I wouldn't think so, but it is. I mean, I'm going to turn it on uh, and watch it's because not that outrageous. I, I agree. I think it's unlikely, but it's not outrageous. Uh, and I'm I'm taking the mood on Monday versus what it'll be on Saturday. Yeah, but and you that's took the mood in a in a yes. You I weren't agree. out on the field. Yep. practicing. I agree. And I thought even week to week, you could hear a different tone in Nick's voice. You know, Nick was. He was hurting and raw a week ago. It was raw emotion. You like honesty? Man, that guy. Speaking of Nick Ford. Oh, my gosh. I barely wanted to ask him questions. I felt so bad for him. I mean, it's our job, so we did. But, ah, you know, and he a week later, it was different. And so even Monday to Saturday, and you're right, from a press conference to a uh, to a game. Let you me, know, and Kyle's right. You, you're just in a different mood putting your game face on Saturday. Let me interject on the Nick Ford thing. We told him if if you don't want to come on, yeah. we're not going to make you. Right. Like, no, I do want to. I do want to yeah, do he it. Wanted to. Yeah. Yeah, that was Nick's call. Mature young man for sure. And he's going home there. He grew up the freeway or down the freeway in that case. Uh, and everybody wants to put on a good product, especially those Southern California kids who lost in Carson. Uh, they played, you know. Funky that they played San Jose State, but it was still it was in it was literally it was in, in front of their friends and yeah. family and high school teammates and whoever else. Right, and so they're all if they came to Carson, they're going to go to the Coliseum. Uh, so you know maybe Nick, that can help. Nick said he already had twenty two tickets and mm-hmm. he wasn't done. He's trying to get some more. And Rising will start, and he's a SoCal kid, and you know he gave him that spark in that second half. So now he'll be the starter, I believe, and uh, maybe that can help. And he's just a. The thing what I think we have to look at is, you know, he's only played a game and a half in college football, and we don't expect a lot from kids who've only played a game and a half. Especially uh, a quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at uh, Clemson, Yuonga Lele, you know, he was sensational when he got in 
for Trevor Lawrence last year. Now they can't buy a touchdown. It's crazy. Uh, Out so. of the top 25 for the first time in years, I think 2014 or 2015. Yeah. 107 yeah. weeks. I'm not sure Sweeney lasts the season. <laughs> okay, that might be a little <laughs> too strong. <laughs> so you've got to give him some time. But SC is, if I look at SC and compare them over the years, this might be the most imminently beatable SC team that the Utes are going to face in the Coliseum. And even when the Utes, when we thought they were undermanned in the Coliseum, they gave the Trojans everything they could have possibly wanted, in some cases literally right down to the end, if not late into the fourth quarter. I mean, that one year they had, uh, what were they, were they going for the tying field goal or the winning field goal? Tying field goal. And it got blocked, So and they returned it, so the score looks a little different. 23-14. Yeah. Kick gets over the line, maybe it's 17-17 going OT. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously Troy Williams and who he had, uh, he Somebody tried to run the end zone. Carrington. And I go down and I'm staying down in Manhattan and I go in there after the game and go to get on the elevator and there's these two Ute fans. Did you see Carrington? He's wide open in the back. I said, okay, yeah, but Troy was trying to make a play, man. How do you criticize a young man for trying to make a play? And sure, if he would have looked up, maybe he could have found him, but he was on the run. So how do we know he would have been able to get the ball there? It was a short pass, and you would have won the game. I remember being on the field with Jimmy Soto at the end of that game and said, you got to go for two. Well, look, we got to score a touchdown first. I said, yeah, but they're, they're going to score, man. They got all the mo. They're moving. And then you know, I thought it was the right thing to do to go for two in that situation. And they came up short, at, like, like a yard or a foot. Yep. Troy didn't get there. Eh. Inches away, really. Yeah, so they've really battled these guys really tough there. I think that one three-interception game by Cam Smith might that have got, close. got away. That but was. other than that, it's it's been tough. So uh, I think they got a decent chance, and maybe this does galvanize them. It would be great. It would be great for the program to get a win and bring some positive to what has been a very difficult time. USC, 2-2 two and two in conference play. We'll see if they can uh, see if they're anything other than just a mediocre team with leadership issues and interim coach got their got their own set of problems. You're playing you're playing this team. You're not playing the the jersey and the history and uh, all the Heisman winners they've run through there over the years. When we come back, uh, Dylan Colley will be here in about 15 minutes talking BYU. Stay with us. Game week for the Utes in the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes look to pick up their first ever win in the Coliseum as they hit the road to square off against the Trojans of USC. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 5 o'clock with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. PK, there's a question I get all the time, and I am seeing it. You're going to tell us, are you, are you? Yes. Oh, finally! We're going to find out where DJ goes on Sunday. No, I that's don't not know. the question I get all the time. October 5th, 2021, 8.55 <laughs> That's why I said, are you or aren't you? And you said yes. 
I am going to talk about BYU football. Yes, I am. That's, I thought that's what you were getting that, at. No, are you or are oh, you? Oh, that. No, the, the question that was the posed. The truth. The question that was first posed to you at a urinal in Las Vegas. Yes. True story. Well, okay, what else are you going to do? Oh, I think you know. <laughs> I've conversed at a urinal with Kenny the Snake Stabler. <laughs> I know what you did there. That's, what do you mean it's what I did there? You know what you did there. I didn't do anything. Okay. It's a true story. I know. I walked in the bathroom at LAX, and he was standing there, and I walked up, and I looked over, and it's the snake. I mean, that guy was one of the most recognizable dudes of his time. Big time yeah. quarterback. Right. And, I mean, he put Urban Meyer to shame when it came to partying. Yeah. <laughs> And so, hey, Kenny Stabler. Yeah, hey, how are you, man? We didn't shake hands, obviously, but we Thank we, you. we conversed a little bit, and that's uh, what happened to me at the Thomas and Mack at a Mountain West basketball tournament. Hey, hey DJ, or PK, is DJ Mormon? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, man, I'm busy. <laughs> so, get asked all the time, is BYU going to win? Are they going to beat the Broncos for the third year in a row? Are they going to get to 6-0 and be halfway to a perfect season? They're already in the top 10. What's going to happen? And how can you possibly answer that question, not knowing who's going to play, unless you know who's going to play? Well, even if I did know, I wouldn't say it, because they don't like it when when you say that. Then they stop talking to you. And so that information... Why burn that bridge? It's not worth it. Right. It's not. But do you know? Or do you suspect? Yes, but I don't know. And I, and honestly, this time around, I don't want to know. So I thought two, two, uh, two, three weeks ago, I said, "Well, when J- Jaron Hall was going to, they were going to name us. So Jaron Hall is going to be the starter, right?" And then Baylor, Baylor Romney, Baylor Romney is going to be the starter. All right, because I thought that was common sense. It was, it was common sense. And but some people viewed it as breaking, and I wasn't really yeah, intending I to know, break I stuff. Know. It was just. Yeah. Okay, so here's where it here, sits. I'm 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 taking a, a a a moving away from that. So common sense, watching Baylor Romney reach for his head, and I have no information. I'm not a doctor, nor have I spoken to one who's looked at him and knows his situation. But the way he reached for his head when he hit the ground, yeah, yeah, it can hold that, me back. You see that in football, and you think that player, because I've seen it a bunch of times, that player is not playing next week. And that's all I'm going on. No, I agree. Sitting, sitting in front of a TV watching a lot of football. I'm fine with that. So I think he's out. Hall, okay, when he told us he had the wind knocked out. Well, I, I suppose maybe it's not a lie. It's true. But it was way more than that. Yeah, but they always do. That. Remember I Taylor know. Kelly got hurt and Todd Graham. Oh, no, he'll be fine. He freaking broke his foot. <laughs> I know. I know. So maybe the air was knocked out of you. There's way more than that going on when you went to the ground. And now he's missed two games, so we know there's way more. But the way Kalani has talked, I'm taking it at face value that he's close to coming back. I don't know that he is. He's drawing closer. My thought on this is that they go at the start with Conover. Now, no one, no one, no one, no one has told me this at BYU, so I am not reporting that. And then they only play Hall Please understand. Uh, and see what what Conover can do with a full week of practice. Uh, I think they <sighs> practice wise they they wanted him to look a little bit better than he was, but he was you know not getting a ton of reps. Here's a different situation. Uh, they thought he was okay 
at best. I actually thought he was better than what they thought, but they they thought he was okay. Uh, and obviously they went conservative. So we'll see with more time, more investment. Um, you know, and what you got Algier, and you know we need to talk more about this young man. It's just how good he is. It's, is he? They've had some good running backs here, in and he's another years. one. It, is he better than them? You can make an argument. He's better. Better than which ones? Because uh, I can Curtis think of Brown, like Unga, Jamal Williams. Uh, better than Curtis Brown because I think he's more explosive. I'm not going Luke Staley. Good. I was going to say I'm saying no recently. to Staley. But to Brown, I think uh, going off a long time ago, I think he's got a gear Brown couldn't get to. You know, Brown might get caught on a long run. Algier makes it to the end zone. Um, He's powerful, man. Yes. Uh, Jamal. Great back. Great back. Different. I think Unga's the best comparison. The combination of power and speed. And I think he's better. Really? Yeah, and Harvey was very, very good. There's no doubt about it. Harvey was very good. I'm remembering. He's his coach. I'm remembering Harvey is a better receiver than we've seen out of Algier. They don't really throw Algier the ball. They throw it a lot more back in the day to Harvey. All Polynesian running backs have great hands. That's my... Really? Yes. <laughs> all? Yes. Oh. You you never go the all paint with the broad brush. All? Have, yeah, it's weird, but, but I've seen history, them, those guys. BYU's had a really, lot of running really backs who catch the ball, and I wonder how much is Tyler. It's just not the way they're running the offense now as opposed to what his skill set yeah, is. It's yeah. more of an offense thing, I think. Well, I think they, I, collectively, they. this is one of the better collection of receivers slash tight ends. You know, they mm-hmm. have, may have had individuals who've been better. But they haven't been this deep. No one's been better than Austin Cauley, and Watkins on the other side was very good. I trust no, but, but I, I I trust Nakua to make plays. I trust both, both Nakua's to make yeah. plays. Gunner? Bow, Gunner Romney. So that's four, and we haven't even gotten to the tight ends yet. Right. I mean, throw it to Isaac Rex all day long. Isaac Rex, who's marrying into Britton Johnson's family. Britton's sister's daughter. Britain's sister's daughter. Wow. Britain's sister. His niece. Yeah, yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver. We'll have him. He's a BYU historian. We can run this running back question past him. We'll do that next. Stay with us.